0: This is Strange Assembly, episode 187, The Return.
1: Of what, the king, the Jedi, the bad jokes?
0: That latter one, although you you spoiled my attempt at a funny intro, I was just doing my pause for the, to make it easier for me to edit in the theme song later, but yes. Mwahaha. <laughs> That's Jay. Oh my gosh, Jay is Hi. back. You guys had noticed Jay was missing, right? Or did you just not notice because we have no. episodes like every two months? No. No. See, I was gonna do this thing yeah. how we were supposed to have somebody in from the left coast. Like we had Reese in Sacramento, he was supposed to show off come on at some point, and then Fred Juan up in Vancouver, he was supposed to come on at some point. And so we were right. like taking the average that
1: was not yet for me.
0: And getting you? It would, no. I, you're, yeah. you're like You're like them, put together, and better. So, for example, when we schedule an interview, you actually show up for
1: it. Ooh, fancy. (coughs) Ryan. (laughs) Uh, So. Look, he's totally not dodging your phone calls. He's dodging (laughs) everyone's phone calls right now.
0: Yeah, so this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast you can find us on the web at strangeassembly.com you can subscribe to the podcast there or on iTunes we always appreciate it if you give us a review there but you guys may have noticed that jay has not been on for a while i will leave it to you jay to discuss whatever you want or not of your uh your situation but uh you you have moved to the state of Washington for uh, job reasons so we the Atlanta gaming scene lost one of its its leading lights. We were very sad.
1: I know, and I, I'm sad too because I have yet to really find a good game group up here either. So I've mostly been playing at like cons and stuff.
0: Yes, yes. I hear that there are a lot of good L5R players. There's, it's, it's like Coté season, right? Can't you play in that? No. What?
1: What? What is this L5R <laughs> of which you speak? That game is dead, Chris.
0: Yes, I hear, I hear it's a brand new game that's coming out at Gen Con 2017.
1: Oh, well then I am excited for any game that comes out at Gen Con.
0: <laughs> what do I know that comes out at Gen Con 2017? That and Starfinder, the science fiction Pathfinder game. Those are the things Ooh. that I know that come out of Gen Con 2017. Go me. <laughs> so, briefly on you. Gen Con, right? is at the beginning of August. And we have, I've finally gotten around to, I am going to go to Gen Con. It was a little touch and go there because the day after Gen Con is Benjamin's first day of school so I have to really punish myself on Sunday to get back for, for the first day of school. Jay is going to be going to Gen Con so want, we will be there. Track us down, well. say hi, mock us, whatever.
1: The <laughs> yeah, sure. usual.
0: In a couple of weeks, Jay and I are going to record again and we're going to have a Gen Con preview episode. That's that's not this. So that's not what we're really gonna we're not gonna really get into Gen Con, but just as a heads up, that will come. And sooner than any L5R retrospective interviews, I'm pretty sure.
1: <laughs> oh Brian <Ugh. laughs> Sorry, oh, it's it's dry up here.
0: Uh yeah, it's 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 strange. <laughs> so I think we've got some interesting things to talk about here. I, I know that I am going to be greatly amused by what I talk about, and I hope you will be too. But for the most part, this is a talk about games episode. So like you said, Jay, you you have mostly gotten to play at, at cons. You haven't picked up a regular group yet. Do they not have meetup
1: in Washington? Oh, they probably do. I've just, you know, been lazy and busy and crazy and that sort of thing.
0: Playing Pokemon Go may be lazy and crazy, but it's not really a good excuse for not having gone on Meetup to look for a new game group.
1: I, I, that game's only been out a couple of days. <laughs> that's not the only reason.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. That, that's how in touch I am with everything. I'm like, ah, on the Facebook, there are all these people talking about Pokemon Go. Apparently there's a new Pokemon game. I... But <laughs> is a thing I, I there know. is
1: I have been trying to catch them all thus far I've caught about, caught about five so that's ways to go
0: that's not many because all of them is hundreds potentially yes.
1: well no yeah I believe at this point they just put in the classic first game one which is what like 200 or so
0: Maybe one, yeah they're 150 or 200. It's like Mew and Mew 2 were either like 151 and 152. It is pathetic that I actually sort of am aware of that. <laughs> I, yes, I have played, I have played Pokemon. I, I've played Pokemon on, and I'm, I'm not even sure which system was it. Was it the, oh man, was it, it was an N64 game? It was like Pokemon Coliseum? where you could plug the Game right. Boy uh, cartridge into the N64 cartridge and basically play the Game Boy game on your TV, or and then use oh the gosh. Pokemon from the Game Boy game in the N64 game. Maybe. Maybe. That is my experience with Pokemon. So I did do it. It was like it was an okay JRPG, basically. I, I thought I don't know. Much more focused on goofy combat than... You know, and the like, very explicitly, right? Focused on collecting and less on the the actual role-playing part. Anyhow.
1: Yeah, it's not. You gotta level them all, Chris. It's you gotta catch them all.
0: (laughs) Well, I I I meant that there's less story than usual. Oh yeah. Yes, I like it. It's sad, (laughs) but it's what's what when you say role-playing game, what do you mean? Oh, that's when you have to level your character up, right? Sigh, yes. Yes. <laughs> that's that's actually what it means in this context. no no
1: no. That's that's what the J in front of RPG means <laughs> is uh you have to go grind for hours to level your character.
0: Uh yes, yes. And, and and depending on the game, it may not just be killing monsters, you might also be playing blitzball. <laughs> <laughs> uh that's still my sort of archetypical example for my life isn't what it used to be. Like that game was awesome. Between like all the, all the mini games and everything, I got to play Final Fantasy X for like 140 hours. That was a great deal. <laughs> but,
1: right. And now it's like 140 hours? <laughs> uh, I have a job.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I have a job. I'll be, and...
1: I'll be able to, I'll be have played 140 hours, you know, by 2030.
0: I haven't opened my copy of Dragon Age Inquisition yet, Jay. <laughs>
1: No, yeah, I feel kind of bad. I was playing Fallout 4, I was enjoying Fallout 4, and then life hit, and I just haven't played in, like, two months, and I forgot where I was in that game.
0: Yeah, that... Yeah. Anyhow, let's pick a game that you have played at one of these conventions, or or otherwise, and, and go, Jay, go.
1: Okay. Well, then I will talk first about... Terror in Meeple City, or as it used to be known, Rampage, before they got sued for, by the uh, arcade game. Uh, they it, actually it, get sued, it,
0: sued, or they just get a cease and desist?
1: Oh, you're right, it may have been a cease and desist, whatever. It was originally yeah, Rampage, legal reasons. then they changed the name, for legal reasons, yes. But this, this is one that's you know, fun, if you don't mind picking up a lot of pieces. What it is, is you are playing as monsters attacking a city. So the first thing you do is assemble the city by taking a whole bunch of meeples and a whole lot of cardboard squares and making buildings. And then each player is a monster, and so you're attacking the city. And your attacks are like you have a breath weapon, so you literally breathe to try to knock over parts of the city. Or you attack with your claws, so you, you flick a little disc that represents your claws at, at the buildings. Or you can there's like a school bus and a fire truck... And uh, an ice cream truck. You can pick those up and throw those at the buildings. And you're just trying to knock over cities and then you eat all of the meeples that you can see and you you, at the end of the game you score points on how many meeples you've eaten and how many buildings you've destroyed. It's, you know, great light fun for tearing down a city. There's also a little bit of of, uh, combat in that if you, you can attack the other monsters and try to knock their teeth out so they have less opportunity to devour people and such.
0: Yes, yes, and you're actually... Uh, assuming that they haven't changed the, the components in a, in a later thing, right? You've actually got a little mouth where you take the teeth out and this thing is your hit points? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you have little teeth and you can lose a couple of your teeth. You also... So it's some amount of hidden information, though if you pay attention, you can know what all it is. Whenever you eat anything, you put it behind a player screen that represents your stomach.
0: Yeah, and it it's hidden because there are, right, you get points for eating everything, but then there are certain things like, one point. you know, you might be trying to get points for having the most meeples eaten of a certain color, or sets yeah. of multicolored meeples, or... Yeah, I played this a while ago, I liked it when I played it, I... Probably talked about it on here. I'm not, I'm not sure it's been so long now. Did you start to run out of things to eat as the game neared on? I kind of wish it had ended slight, a little bit sooner than it did before the targets got so sparse.
1: Yeah, no, that is, that was definitely a problem was, so I was playing with two other people and it got to a point where I was in this part of the city that still had things to eat. They were in other parts of the city where they'd already eaten everything. So their turns basically consisted of trying to get over to my part of the city so they could actually eat things.
0: That was a pretty fun little uh, dexterity game. I got... Yeah. And that's the sort of thing that has to do it well for me to like it.
1: Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think it did it well. It was It's a lot of fun to just tear down a city and eat people and, yeah.
0: So I... I've been out of town for a few weeks, and part of that was work, and part of that was some some family travel. And so, on, on this family travel, we were at my uh, in-laws, and because I'm apparently just want this office slash game room here to be even more loaded up, uh, we do stuff like go to thrift stores, and somebody had just emptied out an old game collection, and I mean old, like decades old. So remember, if you're talking about a decades old game collection you're not talking about designer games. No. And so we ended up playing a variety of these, and then I ended up at a couple of thrift stores, and for whatever reason, I I probably ended up buying like ten things for, you know, a dollar or two dollars or something like that. And so I thought it would be interesting to to kind of say something about those and how, one, these man, these games really are mostly bad. And some of them, I honestly hesitate to call them games. Like... Candyland—is that really a game, or is that an activity? Because you—you have no, there are no decisions to make. You just sit there and watch.
1: Yeah, it's an activity to distract small children, right? Yeah. It's also, to my understanding, from one of my friends and how he would play with his co- his younger cousins, it's a chance to practice your cheating technique and your uh, ability to put to to stack a deck.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not actually instructing my children on that so far. So. Yeah, but that's actually okay. So that that's that's kind of boring. So, it, but I guess the part of the reason I was thinking about this is so we started off. My in-laws just had a copy of Life. Basically, it would have been the same version that I played when I was a kid. It was the my you know their family's copy when my wife was a kid, and uh, so we we played that right. If you're not familiar with Life, you start out either going to college or not, and then you go through your life, and uh, it's sort of interesting some of the way things have changed, like Benjamin. It's like, why do you have to get married?
1: <laughs>
0: and because you right, you have to get married, and you have to buy a house.
1: Yep, and it has to be boy-girl, and...
0: It, yes, it, it yeah it does. The rules are specifically... More. Now, we did not do that, actually. You did not have to choose a peg that matched your gender. Your character did not have to be the same gender as you, and your spouse did not have to be a different gender from you, but that doesn't change the gameplay in any way, shape, or form. So you no. can just do that. I don't know, it's also weird, like, you have your third kid spin to see how many thousands of dollars of presents people give you. I'm like, that's not how it works, but okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, you spin to see how much the insurance actually covers versus how much you have to pay out of pocket, right?
0: There is no health insurance in old life. If you remember, there's you can buy car insurance at the start of the game, which you should. Mm. You can buy life insurance, which you should. It's not really life insurance, it's like, Every once in a while, the game will just randomly pay you out money if you have life insurance. It's, it's one of those life insurances that you buy a little more as an investment than as an actual mm-hmm. life insurance policy. Anyhow, you can get stock, which again, you should if you can. I don't know if you want to get fire insurance or not. It's relatively low odds that you ever have to, that your house burns down. So, I don't know. But, so there are some decisions in life. But I, I like, life better than I like Monopoly, than I like a lot of these things, even though there's still not really much in the way of choices. Like, you should pretty much always go to college and it's you're mostly so just spinning randomly. You have a few of these decisions here, but it's mostly spinning. But at least, I think there's a little bit of a story to it, so I think that makes it a little interesting. And unlike Monopoly, it does not go on forever. Right? There's like a beginning of the board and an end of the board. But I also knew that there had been updated versions of life because the old life is very much just like you make money or you don't make money. And there's a lot of things that are like, you do something charitable, pay $200,000. Yeah. This would cost you money, so it costs you money. And then the winner is just whoever gets the most money. And I knew there had been a more, I don't know, for touchy-feely version of life. So, and then we happened to see that a thrift store. So we bought it and played that. It's a bit more varied in how you do the, the life. You can now get, uh, salary increases over the course of the game. You can lose your job. You can switch careers. And these are actual decisions you have to make. Like, well, you don't choose to lose your job. It's just like, lose your job. And then draw, randomly draw another one. Here's, let's see what you get. Oh, you were a doctor. Now you're a salesman. Now
1: you're a robust boy.
0: Yes. And then you could choose, to, and there is a spot where you can choose to go back to college or not. There's a spot where you can, like, choose two little tracks, one of which makes you much more likely to have kids, and the mm. other one which gets you a, an extra promotion at work. Uh, <laughs> so there's a little bit of that. And they, they added in these life cards where you'll land on spots, and it will say, like, spend a gap year in Europe. Get a life card, so it's it's sort of like getting rewarded for experiences. Meet a friend that you'll have for life. Now it's still just money. At the end of the game, you get a card, and then at the end of the game, you flip over the cards, and they're worth from ten to fifty thousand dollars each towards your score at the end of the game. Mm. Fundamentally, not that that much had changed. So, one of the things that comes up when you're at least what comes up when I maybe not when you were playing life or other people are playing life. What I'm thinking life is you don't get to choose. You know, it would be nice to be able to choose what you want out of life. It's the whole thing, like, where you have to get married. There's no, like, option, do you get married or not? Do you want to get married or not? Do you want to get married but you're unable to? Do you really not want to get married but somehow you end up married anyway? So there, there is another old game that has an element of that, and it's called careers. And completely coincidentally, I then was at a thrift store, that had two different copies of careers. So I got one, which was from, I don't know, the late 50s or the early 60s, and then one that was from the 70s. And I bought both of them because I thought it would be interesting to see how those had changed, and they have. Uranium prospecting, for example, one of the things that you do (laughs) in the, uh, the older version, very strange. You can be a teacher in the 70s one, that's not a career. I think an ecologist is one of the careers in the 70s.
1: Disco shoe repairman.
0: There's only eight careers in each game, so there's not tons of them. And one of the careers is the "quote unquote" careers is college. So
1: the thing about careers
0: where you actually get to make a decision is that in careers there is money and there is fame and there is happiness. And at the beginning of the game, you choose what your goal is: this much fame, Mm. this much money, this much happiness. They have to add up to 60. So, you know, you can get $20,000, 20 fame points, 20 happiness points, that would be 60, or you can skew it one way or the other. So there's a few little strategic considerations. I mean, you go around a board like you do in Monopoly, but it it's clearly modeled after a Monopoly board. Sure. But it's got some changes up. But you still, it's really just total randomness, so still not really interesting doing. But it does have some funny, let's just assume that they're – uh, anachronisms now although they're probably not as much of an anachronism as we'd like them to be uh, for example one of the tracks is business and one of the w- w- the way that there's there's a big overall track and then each little career is a little mini track that kind of extends into the board when you're going that career you're you're going up and doing this slower track and you only roll one six-sided die instead of two so you move through it relatively slowly but one of the spaces in the business track is where you, <laughs> where you gain happiness is I, I'm not making this up. Like very attractive secretary. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, the I'm up- trying, th- they gave the you 80s. a hot girl as, as your secretary bonus. Like,
1: <laughs> in the 80s, they updated that to free cocaine in the break room.
0: The the updated one I had was from the 70s, not the. I mean, I'm sure there's. Been more recent versions of that, I, I would think. I, I don't know. Like, careers did not seem to. Like, careers was not a game that really lasted into my childhood, so I, I don't think it has maintained its u- maintained ubiquity. Obviously, not like you know, Monopoly. So that that was cruise, but still, right? It's 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 mostly luck luckish sort of thing. And so, sure. I, I still like. It's a great theme, I think. And I, I was sitting myself as, thinking to myself as I was sitting there in Iowa, like this, this could make for a great game. Like this theme, this is the theme that has not been explored. Like you have a life and you have some objectives in life and you're trying to get there. And what are the decisions that you make to get there? I wonder somebody hasn't done that. I mean, I, I I just.
1: Yeah, I would totally play that game.
0: Kickstarted Fog of Love, that's eliminate. And, but guess what? Guess what? It turns out Stronghold has a game Come either, I mean it's gonna be at Gen Con, so you'll hear about it more in the Gen Con episode, but they have a game called Pursuit of Happiness that's exactly that!
1: Nice! It's like the universe fulfilled your desire, and yes! you didn't even know you had it yet.
0: I know! It's great! <laughs> <laughs> it's great! I'm totally going to buy it! I, yeah. I hope it's good, because who knows? <laughs>
1: I, I mean, it's got to be better than careers, right? <laughs>
0: well, that's not much of a standard, but yes, it's got to be. <laughs> the
1: kind of the joke, yeah. Right? I mean, Stronghold is games, so I would not be surprised if it's a quality game.
0: Yeah, yeah, so, hey, uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And see, so do you want it? do you think we should send it back to you for a real game, and then we can come back to me and I can talk about more old games that probably you shouldn't play?
1: <laughs> sure, we, if you like.
0: Why don't, why don't we do that? Why don't we, why don't we send it back to you for, for one of your, something that's like a real game?
1: Okay, so I, I quite enjoyed playing the Fantasy Flight Star Wars Rebellion, cause, you know, Star Wars, and Star Wars. It's a good game because it I mean it really does capture that feel of being the empire and crushing those filthy rebels or you know being the rebellion and running away from the correct imperial presence or what have you. What what it is is you you've got a board that represents the whole galaxy and there's all these different planets and somewhere on the board is the rebel base. The Empire doesn't know where. So the Empire's goal is to go find and hunt, destroy the, the Rebel base. So all of their actions are about finding the base, moving troops around, and when they get there they will try to just obliterate all of the troops that the Rebels have. They've got it, they've even got a Death Star, they've got Super Star Destroyers. It's quite a bit of fun. You can, you know, go blow up a few planets if you like. Meanwhile, the rebels are trying to, you know, not overthrow the empire because they're too big, but they're just trying to get enough popular support that they can be not completely squished when they lose a base. So, despite, you know, how dynamically outclassed the two are, FFG did a good job of balancing their roles. It's a lot about what your leaders can do, and you have a balanced number of leaders, so while the Empire's doing things like trying to kidnap the leaders and torture information out of them or move their fleets around until so they can find where the base is and send probe droids and stuff. The Rebel is trying, Rebels are trying to do things like make a, enough of a victory to get galactic support for what they're doing to convince the, the galaxy to, to go into open rebellion and overthrow the Empire. It's It's got a ridiculous number of little pieces. So each each side has their own units that they can deploy to different planets, and each one of those is its own little plastic piece. So, like, you've got air speeders and AT-ATs and Star Destroyers and two Death Star miniatures that are on the board. I quite enjoyed the game. I feel like it's not going to come to the table that often because it is best at two players, and it t- is quite... The first time I played it, it was more time-consuming than I realized it was going to be, but would definitely recommend.
0: Yeah, you you can play it with four, right, but then it's just two teams and one player has space stuff and one player has ground stuff?
1: Basically, yes, and I haven't done that. I sort of feel like that is, you know, team bickering too much versus, you know, the two-player game.
0: Yeah, it seemed like here's a worse way that you can play the game, but it does let exactly. you play with more than two people. <laughs>
1: yeah, so I haven't tried that, but it, that, that's the impression I have from reading the rules. So maybe I'm wrong.
0: Yeah, I have I've not gotten to play this. I'm very saddened by that. Very sad. Aw. All right. Oh oh. Let's let's talk about old games again. Okay. I'm way too excited about this. So
1: <laughs> I see that. Yeah. I
0: know. So, so in addition to two different versions of life and two different versions of careers, I got and played a game called Life on the Farm, which, despite what you might think <laughs> from the name, is not a variant of Life. <laughs> I had no idea what it was right. Like it's one of these things where you're at the store and it's taped up, so mm. you're just kind of buying on on spec. Like, well, here's a buck, and who knows what the components yeah. are in here and who knows what this thing is but eh, why not?
1: Yeah, I'm disappointed. From the name I was assuming it was Life the Game except instead of putting little pegs in your that were your kids, you are putting little pegs in that were your cows and chickens. Well, you do get
0: cows in this game, but it's it's not that. There there are several themed variants of that. There is a Star Wars version of Life called the Jedi's Path.
1: Of course there is. Uh,
0: <laughs> because of course there is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know there's also multiple versions of Star Wars Monopoly? Congratulations.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because of course there would be.
0: Yes, yeah. Actually, I've, I've made use of them. I, I had, someone had given me a collector's edition Star Wars Episode One Monopoly. <laughs> uh, it had never been opened. Well, look, I mean, I... Believe, I think somewhere, I mean, we do still have the original version, like the version of Monopoly that I had when I was a kid. That mm-hmm. is, yep, yeah, there it is. So I've got that. And then I also have Monopoly in Russian, which someone got me when I was studying Russian. So I, I've got those. I don't, I, and then those are never going to get played. So <laughs> I did not really need another one. So, but I had it and, but it, it turned out I, I actually, Bizarrely, randomly, my my father and stepmother were visiting here not that long ago, and I guess they have actually taken more of an interest in games. Like my my stepmother, big wine aficionado, and so I got them a copy of Viticulture, and I had expected that thing to just gather dust when I was not there, but they've actually played it with their friends multiple times. It's hmm. very exciting. So. She was sort of looking through my office and like looking at it and like, oh, what's this? Oh, well, that's that's like the stack of games that I'm gonna trade or sell. I don't know what, but I you know I gotta move some of these out of here. And so she's sort of like, oh, well, what can we have this one? Can we have this one? But one of the things that she saw on my shelf was this uh, this Star Wars Episode One Monopoly. She was like, your dad would love that. Okay, so I got to use it as a like a Father's Day present because like, oh hey. Nice. I would happily give this to someone who will enjoy it. Uh, and, yeah, I, but, I mean, it was cool. It had, like, a 3D game board, and, you know, it had, instead of, you know, a little dopey thimble, you you know, you get Qui-Gon Jinn. That, you know, that improves anything, right? But, anyhow, life on the farm. Like Monopoly, you go around a path over and over again, although it's not just a square board with the, the square path around the edge. Right, you roll dice, you land on random spaces, you get more money, you get less money. When you have money, and then you land on a space that lets you buy more cows, and then your cows generate more money, and then you... So I guess it's technically an engine-building game, right? Mm. It's every time you go around the board, instead of getting a flat fee, you get an amount of money based on the number of cows you have. It's like milk money.
1: And then you have to feed the cows, you do and not have to feed the cows. They, they multiply, and... Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of Agricola. They do multiply.
0: They're all like, you land on a spot. Mm. Foley, you know, get another three cows or something. You can also have things like lightning strikes, Your two of your cows die. Aww. Hunters cut uh, your fence and, like, wild dogs eat three, you know, maul three of your cows. Yeah. The replacements for a chance in community chest are will be things like sell hay or, you know, vet bill or... But really, all it is is just randomly going around the board, and you you do have a decision to make technically. Do you? How many cows do you buy? Because you don't want to spend all all of your. Well, no, you don't want to spend all of your money, because if you spend Ah. all of your money, and then you have to pay money, then you have to sell your cows, but you sell them for less than you buy them for. So you want to leave yourself a little bit of a cushion, but still not not a lot going. So don't don't bother with that. See what other stack exchange I got. This is a. A commodities future trading game. Again, sealed, dollar, I have no idea, no clue. I go and, uh, see this would be if I was not the one person left in the world without a smartphone, I could have looked this, I could have looked <laughs> at this before I got it. It wouldn't have changed anything, it wouldn't have stopped me from buying it, cause I, I mean, you know that this is not gonna be a good game, so but it actually had a, a, a rating of two-point-something on BGG, which is astoundingly, Ooh. like, nothing, nothing yeah. has a rating that low. Granted, that's because, like, this has hardly any ratings, and it's terrible, but...
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's like, you know, the room level of rating. Like, it's almost so bad it's good, but then, no, it's bad.
0: I would say that it's a bit worse than Monopoly. So it's a very similar to Monopoly, except instead of buying property, you're buying options. Like it's options trading, you're buying futures in different products. And so you land on something, you buy a future in it, and then later on a random card will be drawn, and then depending on whether or not the price has gone up or down, you will make money or lose money depending on whether or not you were short or long on Mm -hmm. that. And that's really it.
1: So it's like the real stock market if you don't understand how the stock market works. I mean, you have to make
0: decisions because you have to decide whether or not to buy and then whether or not to long or short. But there is some strategy in it that the way that you know what's coming to some extent is that you know what cards are in the deck so you can count mm-hmm. cards. And so if, if like a particular product has, you know, five price increases and five price decreases and three of the price increases have already happened, then it's probably a good time to short it. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, that seems. All these other ones I played, I'm just, I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm now reviewing a game I have not played. Cause I read the rules on this and I was like, no. There is no way I'm, and the rule book even said this game takes two hours. Like, I am, I am not sinking half an hour of my time into this, much less two hours. So, just, that was my, my hilarious. But, but let me, let me say the most, the, probably the most entertaining of these, and actually, actually the one that maybe the best game as a game is electronic mall madness that's right i got a i got a, <laughs> yeah. i got a working copy of this and this is the game you may have if you're of of uh the age such as Jay and i you may have seen ads for this on television and this is right you are shopping in a mall and it's one of these early games where it was a big thing to have like talking components partially it's funny because it's so dated you don't have a credit card. You have a bank card, but not a credit card. So you go to the mall, and one of the constraints is that you, like, you have a certain amount of money, and if you've spent all of your money, you have to go to the ATM to get more money out of the ATM. <laughs> that is amazing. Yes, I know. So, which is awful in one way, because again, the constraint, it's just a time constraint, the time it takes you to go to ATM. There's no notion of Our family only has so much money, so you need to stop buying designer jeans. It's just oh, I gotta go back to the ATM before I can buy more. But also, you have to go to an ATM to get cash.
1: You're playing the rich girls here, Chris. They don't. There's no such thing as not enough money. There's just not on me.
0: I I will note that it, it is not. It is not just female characters. There are there are male characters in the game too. You have a player board that is different from everyone else's player board because your wow. character wants different things at the store, at the different stores. And the reason I say that as a game, this is actually better because you you are trying to buy three of the things on your shopping list. And and then, like, you start at one corner of the mall, you have to buy, like I said, I think it's three things, and then you have to get out or get, or get to wherever it tells you you have to get to. It may be getting out, it may be... Going to the movies or what, I mean, it's got the little electronic thing so it knows once you've completed three transactions and then you'll be able to. But it, it actually, there are some places that are better for you than other places because the item that you want at the store is a relatively cheap item. And cheap items are good Mm. because they reduce the chance you're going to have to go to the ATM again. And then from time to time, sales and clearance will happen. So you may actually have to make a decision about it's random how far you get to move, but you may have to make a decision about, do I just go for the closest place and just buy something there, whatever it is that I want there, or do I try to go further away to the sale? No, we're not talking high strategy here. This is still a simple game that children can play. But, unlike pretty much everything else that I've talked about here, you are not simply rolling a die and going around in a circle and just whatever right. happens.
1: Right, what happens, yeah.
0: There is a little bit of decision-making. So, out of all of that, I still like life best. But really, as a game, Electronic Mall Madness was the, I think was the best out of those. So there we go. Candyland, still not a game. And Electronic Mall Madness, hey, you, there are resources a buy a dollar uh, and, and play with your kids. So, although you're, they'll, the money thing is going to confuse the, the heck out of them. Mm. Anyhow, so. All right, so you've had two. You've had two real games. I've had about eight, mm, not as real ones. What what you got for us, Jay?
1: So the next one I'll talk about is Bananagrams. I don't know why it's called Bananagrams, other than it comes in a pouch that's shaped like a banana. It's basically Scrabble tiles, but just the letters, not values. And the way the game works is you're sort you're almost competitively Scrabbling your own Scrabble board. You you, the start of the game. You put all the tiles face down in a pile, and you grab a handful. I think it's like 20 or 21. And you have to make... It's timed. It's all Everyone's doing it simultaneously. You flip all your letters. You make words like you would in Scrabble that are connecting using your letters. Once you've used all of your letters, you yell out, Banana! And everybody has to grab another letter from the pool. And you keep doing that until the pool is depleted. And then whoever makes finishes their board once the pool is depleted wins so it's a fun word making game tests your vocabulary it's fast paced it's one of those games that i like where everyone's active at all times there's not you know oh it's my turn is done now i've got 20 minutes before it'll be my turn again so i'm gonna play with the phone no everyone's doing acting at the same time and you know you do have the oh, I got all three cues. I'm horribly screwed here. Where's a you but yeah it's it's a fun like quick game, nice way to pass you know played this played this once, just waiting in line for a panel at one of the cons.
0: <laughs> I have played bananagrams, but I can't give a real review of it, so fair enough. My wife and her mother, I guess, played bananagrams a lot when she was a kid. Uh, mm. But they don't play with the normal rules, and so they played with this rules change that, as far as I could tell, completely ruins the game. So hopefully she's not listening to this because she'll probably get irritated <laughs> at me for I mention that. It was something that made it so that there was no. Like it was never the correct choice to play anything. You were always better off just holding everything in your hand until you could just play everything and win. Ah. And so I'm like, yeah, that really makes this game annoying. And I'm like,
1: and no, yeah, and
0: they just didn't do that. Like it was just one of those things where like they just they're not, you know, right? They're not playing Bananagrams as an obnoxious alpha gamer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, the fun of this game is you're like, oh I've what could I make from all these letters? Well, I can make this work now what do I have left? What can I make off of that and keep going yeah
0: okay so you know I, I got a review copy of this so i I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and, and, and review it now because I'm obligated to do it so i I got a game of crowns so promotional consideration was provided in the form of a review copy. <laughs> And Game of Crowns, so it was submitted by the designer with this name, apparently, and just assumed that AEG was going to uh, change it, and then they didn't, because it's it's clearly a riff on Game of Thrones, Mm -hmm. including the theming. And let me me listen to this. So you're going to get a handful of cards, and then you're going to randomly exchange them with other people, and with no apparent rhyme or reason, and then you're going to reveal your hands, and people will score points, and someone will win. And don't ever play this game. (laughs) I really think it's not worth any more of my time to try to explain the details or or your time to listen to the details. I played this with a group of people, and we played it, and then we all just kind of stared at each other and went, huh? Yeah. It felt like there was supposed to be a little bit of more intriguing and sneakiness, and it just wasn't. There. there, it was like you really just did not have enough information to to have things be much more than vaguely random. So there we go. That's okay. So you had to listen to me talk for like twenty minutes about life. So there you go. One minute about Game of Thrones. Back to you, Jay.
1: Okay. So the last one I'm going to talk about is a game called Lift It Deluxe, which is a great game to play at a con because you l- look like a complete idiot in the middle of a giant room full of strangers. Um, Jay, Jay, wait,
0: I look like that all the time. Come on. that's, <laughs> that's Fair that's, point. Don't, I, I, don't be mean like that.
1: Okay, no, that's true. <laughs> I do as well. I'm just saying it draws more attention to the fact that you look like a complete idiot. Okay. Anyway, it, it, it's quite a fun little dexterity game. The way it works is you have in the middle these different plastic pieces. So, like, there's a plastic sphere type thing or a plastic tube or a couple of, like, plastic girders, then you also have, effectively, a hook on a string on another plastic peg, and that's how you're supposed to move things, is with this hook. And so on your turn, you flip over a card that shows you what structure you, you have to make out of all of the pieces, and you've got anywhere from 30 seconds to a minute and a half to use the hook to construct it. So that's the very basic mechanic, is hooking things and moving them around to assemble shapes. But then there's a couple monkey wrenches. For instance, there's... As you score points, you go around the board, and based on where your score is, different things will happen. Like, you might have to... You don't get to look at the card. Somebody else has to describe the card to you, what you're making. Or, there's one where there are head straps included in the game, so you... Wrap a head strap around you. You hook the the hook to your head, and now you have to use your head. The hook is on the string attached to your head that you're using to move the pieces. Or there's dual ones where you and somebody else are using the hooks to at the same time. Whoever can go- build it fastest wins. So as I said, it's a it's a fun dexterity game. It's great for. You know, embarrassing yourself with how bad at dexterity you are, and it, when you're wearing a, a hook on a string, like a unicorn, and trying to move plastic bricks around, it looks pretty hilarious. So I would definitely recommend this game. I'm kind of sad, this was, I played this at a con where it was, you had a chance to win anything you played, I'm kind of sad I didn't get to win it, cause that would have been great. But it was a lot of fun.
0: We could just end there, but since I, but since like the most positive thing I think I've said all day is that I'm really looking forward to Pursuit of Happiness, let's end with a, let me end with a game that was, uh, good, which was okay. n- New York 1901. I mean, you've had, you've had positive things. I mean, right, Rebellion is yeah. probably better than all the things I thought about put together. What I want to mean probably is.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, I mean, no, some of mine had it, a negative it, utility value.
1: Yeah. No probably still has more fiddly bits than all of your games put together. Uh, I, I don't know if you've opened it. There are a ridiculous number of just little tiny figures that go in that game.
0: I don't know. Have you seen how many little blue and pink pegs are in A Game of Life?
1: Hmm? There's quite a few. Okay. Uh, is it more than four? Because
0: <laughs> y- Yes. So anyhow, New York 1901 is uh, thematically about uh, building taller and taller buildings in, uh, in Manhattan, or at least a square of Manhattan. You start out with a particular way. You have like, you have bronze and silver and gold buildings and they have particular shapes and you've got the grid streets and you have to build your buildings. First you have to claim the land and then you have to build the building on your, on the land. And so each turn you have to choose which of those you're going to do? You'll get, like you'll get like a new card uh, or possibly cards, depending on what you're doing from th- this central row that's coming out. And then you decide what you do with that. And you, you can start off with a little claim of land and build a little building, or you can claim a bunch of land and then build a big building. You can wipe out and you can't and will wipe out your older, crudier buildings and make bigger, better buildings. Uh, you have to. Sort of decide whether or not you're going to go ahead and try to build a building now, whether or not you need to enhance yourself or try to grab a chunk of land that will stop somebody else. Because when you're when you're grabbing to, to mess with someone else, when you're grabbing a piece of land, you've got a card that has a little shape depicted on it, and you are using that to to grab a, a similarly chunked and colored sh- portion of the board. You also have to pay attention to the game ending. You know, it's one of those things where at some point you have to switch from any further position, like from positioning, and really get into
1: actual building.
0: Actually, moving more, especially at the end. I mean, you have to you have to upgrade as you're you're going along entirely. That you also have it, it changes up every game because there are different goals. It's one of those things where you. You flip out three cards and then maybe the person with the biggest building gets a bonus point or it gets bonus points or the person with the most different buildings or, or you get rewards for being along a particular street like, you know, Broadway, whoever has the most buildings on Broadway gets, gets points and that sort of thing. It's definitely a, a gateway game sort of complexity, but I, I thought that it, it did pretty well at that. That's New York 1901, uh, in the U.S. is distributed by Blue Orange, who I think is the best known for Spot It. So th- th- this is for a Game. Do you have anything else you want to share with uh, the world in your triumphant return to the podcast, Jay? <laughs> uh,
1: no, nothing springing to mind. Thanks for having me back. Oh,
0: thanks for coming back. We love you, Jay. Come on. But you've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there or on iTunes or your favorite podcast downloader. We always appreciate it if you leave us a review. That helps other people find the podcast. If you want to get a hold of me, you can email me. I'm chris at strangeassembly.com, or you can get in touch with us at facebook.com slash strangeassembly or at strangeassembly on Twitter. But until then, for Jay Earl, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming. a funny story. I don't, I don't know if you'll uh, it, it'll, it'll usually get deleted, but maybe I'll leave the gap in because I think this is a funny story. So because I'm yeah. an amazing parent mm-hmm. uh, and since I'm doing this recording, I decided to let the kids, I guess both of them are watching it, yay, uh, watch The Force Awakens. Oh, nice. So that was on. So Benjamin comes in here and is like frantic. And, he, and I'm like, what? What? I've gotta go potty. I'm like, well then go potty. What's the, what's the problem? I don't know how to pause it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I
0: had to, I had to go pause the, uh, pause the Force Awakens. So for, for a restroom break, but now, now, now we're back. Uh, anyhow, so the,